we're in, baby. We're, we're plugged into the Matrix right now. I always found that, that movie's insight so kooky, especially like after the fact, because I remember when I was a kid and you, you, you pick up on this stuff even when you're young. And, um, you know, for all like the Gnostic symbolism in it and all like the cool shit, uh, I would be asking myself the whole time if I was unplugged is like, how do I know that I'm not still in some other Matrix? The Matrix is a wildly trippy movie. It's a sham they only made one. You can, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very good movie. Such a shame they didn't follow it up with other good movies. The aesthetic and the pacing and the way it was done were really, really good. But I, I think that um, it, it failed to articulate what I think Morrison does so well with The Invisibles, which um, I've been harping about this comic from the beginning, uh, which is that yeah, you know, the, the veil is lifted from your eyes, but in the Matrix, they turn it into a concrete metaphor. You're in the virtual computer world, and you pop out, and you wake up, and you're in the real world. But um, it's not, it doesn't quite work out that way um, in our lives. So you, we, you un what do you actually unplug into? And you can just, I think it's just more and more veils lifted from your eyes over and over and over again. And uh, I think that's like... It's just realizing over and over again. Epiphanies mm -hmm. are weird because it's not enough to have an epiphany just once, I don't think. It's something that you arrive at over and over again through the course of a lifetime. Like, like it's just psychedelic insight, which is what we're going to be talking about today, right? We're doing the psychedelic mm -hmm. insight episode. Which, uh, this one was cool because it kind of crept out of nowhere. Uh, I wasn't expecting this one to really pop up the way it did. And uh, it's because I'm just partying my ass off it's over called, here, man. I'm doing ketamine. It's cognitive yeah, research is what you're doing. Oh, okay. You're doing, doing cognitive, cognitive research. research. Yeah. All of it is. If you're, if you're having a good time, if you're doing drugs, if you're fucking, if you're partying, it's cognitive research. <laughs> but the, I, I'm not even pulling that out of my ass. Like, this is like this. No, I, I the agree The CIA I agree did the you. same yeah. thing when they were. Do you ever read these old stories about how they would like, you know, somebody would like spike the punch bowl at like the CIA party at like Langley with LSD without telling, without telling anyone. Yeah. And then everyone is tripping balls and there's like weird orgies going on. And like there was that famous case where uh, there was the CIA guy and. Um, his buddies had like dosed him with LSD a whole bunch of times, right? And they were all throwing parties, just them and their families and their wives being ridiculous. And uh, he had a bad trip and he jumped out of a window in Midtown and fell to mm. his death. And then like the CIA was like, we got to stop letting everybody just do LSD all the time. Motherfucker, you're dosing people without their <laughs> consent or knowledge. They don't know what's happening. Yeah. They just think all of a sudden they're going for like the trip of a lifetime mm. and they don't know why. Yeah. But they were they were using it for their own experiments. They were using it on unwilling subjects in a lot of hospitals, all right, let's, you know, and stuff. And, we yeah, don't know yeah. this shit. We know we know this shit about the CIA. Mm. Let's not go down that's that true. Hole, all right, we can mm. in future episodes. All right, but it's boring to me yeah, at this yeah. point. Like we all know that what the CIA, the Feds get up to, mm. right? They have a lot of fun, <laughs> is what they do. Real quick aside, mm. this week I was pretty convinced that I'm a necromancer, and we'll talk mm. about that. Uh, that I can raise the dead and I can talk to bones. And it loops into what you just said with the Morrison thing related to the Matrix. Uh, Ramona, my friend Ramona, who I was tripping with mm -hmm. this week, she sent me this book called Neuromancer, and she was claiming that like this was where the inspiration for the Matrix came. Are you familiar Neuromancer? with Neuromancer? Uh, absolutely, yeah. It's William Gibson. Yeah. You are? Okay. She was telling me to read that because she's like, you're a necromancer now. You need to read yeah. that book. It's real, it's right. kooky. It's, when you're reading it, you're going to be thinking about all of the things that are cliche from it now. Cyberpunk, you know, mm -hmm. uh, hackers jacking into the net. And 
it's it's um it hits a weird little middle ground between sci-fi and mystical literature mm. okay so i'm gonna check that out but i haven't read it yet so i can't talk about mm. it right now all right we're, t- we're doing an episode on psychedelic insight because i called mm. you this whole week i just was realizing and i couldn't stop realizing and these are things i've realized before i've been here before i'll probably be here again because everything's a fucking loop mm-hmm. right so on saturday the 18th of june june 18th 2022 with my friend rob who you've talked to we've spoken with and you know i've told Mm -hmm. you about my friend rob see before he came over and we did acid ecstasy ketamine endless white claws weed Mm -hmm. all that shit right and i just had intense psychedelic insight and i want to talk Mm -hmm. about it i want to talk about what psychedelic insight is what it means to me what it means to other people what ego death is because like it's changing for me it's not remaining any one thing this time, so this whole podcast got kicked off with a ketamine death experience that I had last mm-hmm. year, and it was very traumatizing for me, right? You remember how fucking traumatized I was? Well, it by started that? your whole journey through all this stuff. You started going to therapy. Uh, we, ha- we started having our nightly conversations on, on all of these topics. And I, we were already friends yeah. talking then, but it kind of ramped up Heavily. after that. And uh, I don't remember if it was before or after my K hole around Christmas time that we decided to pull the trigger on this, this project. It may have been after. I don't remember the yeah. timeline either. We should nail that down, just not on the pod, but mm-hmm. for our own edification. <laughs> the timelines get fucked up. Time's not real. It's bullshit. So I was like totally traumatized by that ketamine death experience. But yo, I just did it again, over and over, more ramped up with other drugs in the mix. So the first time I like believed I was dying on ketamine, I went up the stairs to my bed to die. And it was totally traumatized. I was devastated that I was dying. And then when I realized I was just on a drug and I was coming down, I was relieved and crying with happiness. But this time I was devastated to come back and was relieved to die. That's how I put it. Yeah. So it kind of flipped. And I'm realizing that experience I had on ketamine last year, it just wasn't even really that intense. I just hadn't experienced it before where you just arrive at a moment in your brain where you actually believe you are dying. It's freaking you the fuck out. And then you kind of just accept it and you're just waiting for it to happen. And then it just sails by you. Right. So it happened again, like multiple times over and over. And I just kept coming back from it. It's just death doesn't work. I remember uh, you telling me when you called me that um, you reached a level of profundity and revelation where you were wholly in the experience. And there was no there were no externalities that including identity and ego and who you were. And you you found it to be troubling that you talked yourself down back into your ego. Yeah, so what happens was, it happened with Rob, because we were on all those drugs like ecstasy, acid, ketamine, we were drinking all night, all day, the weed, all of it. And then we went up onto my roof, and I have a beautiful garden up there. And being around, tr- plants and gardening is super trippy in its own right, like no drugs required. It, it's a weird experience when you're always around a plant, and you're learning about the plant, and you know how to respond to the plant, and you're just seeing things you've never seen before you're always around it so just add that trippiness in with also just being on all those drugs peaking dude we had like telepathy going on we were up there controlling the weather together and there it it wasn't long it was like a very brief moment and then the psychedelic insight just hits you where it's just banging around in your head it's like oh i am god you are god right and then you're in it and you're in an ultimate state of ultimate reality and then there's really nothing to do when you're god what's left to do but let it go and you just start to talk yourself down yeah well i think that speaks to the experience of ego death 
And if you're able to fully mm. immerse yourself in the present moment of the experience, if that's even a concept that you can understand when you're, because I don't think time operates the same way uh, during these experiences, but if you can live it and experience it without carrying the baggage of your identity and your ego with you, that is a, that is a place where magical things happen. When you're able to have insights uh, about structures outside of yourself and within yourself at the same time. Yes, I agree. And the baggage, like the first time around last year where I was devastated by the experience, is the baggage of not wanting to let go of myself. Yeah. This time around this week, several times with Rob and then a couple of days later again with Ramona, I like partied again. I just accepted it over and over again. And I, in, indeed, I invited it, my own death, like my demise, my end, just to see what, where it would go, what would happen. And it's just always followed by rebirth. And I think that's probably what's going on with actually physically mm -hmm. dying, whatever that even means. You're anymore. like connecting the micro <laughs> experience to the macro structures. Yeah. Which is cool. Cause you, you know, you have your ego death moment, you unplug from your body, you experience some type of, uh, networked objective. Well, I'm not even going to use that word objective, but something, some type of insight that goes beyond the confines of your identity and your constructed models of who you are and what the world, because the world is, is viewed through yourself. So what happens if you obliterate mm -hmm. your identity and the screen that hangs over your eyes um, and, and that affects the way that you view all the information that's being fed into your consciousness? Well, you know, you've, you've experienced mm -hmm. some form of death and then you come back down back to earth and you're reborn again back into your same um, ego body, your, your physical body. It's always followed mm -hmm. by rebirth is the sense I get. I'm talking about even actually physically mm -hmm. dying. Because, like, we go to bed every night and we stop existing and then our brain gets thrown into alternate realms of reality where we're not even questioning why we're there. We just kind of accept it and you're in the middle of mm -hmm. it. Like, what the fuck is going on with that? And then you just wake up and you're up again. And even if you've been sleeping for 12 hours, it feels like, what, 10 mm -hmm. minutes? Like, it always, it always feels very brief. Your sleep. The dilated time is... And it, it can be... It can even feel like a lot more, especially if you're in one of those special kind of dreams that feel like it lasts for days or months or uh it's very odd there's there's a, a huge connection i think between those nocturnal states that people experience in dreams and what uh, the type of experience that you had while you were doing cognitive research <laughs> i see it with like anesthesia too because anesthesia is like count backwards from 10 you go okay 10 9 8 and then it's like okay wake up get up you're done mm -hmm. that's the experience and then the experience of I guess it wasn't really experience because we weren't alive in the sense that we are right now. But supposedly there was billions of years of time before you and I became sentient birth beings. It was nothing to us, though. It was literally no time at all, mm -hmm. right? I think it tracks that after death, it, it would be the same. And then you just kind of wake up again. Yeah. That makes like really good sense to mm -hmm. me. I'm coming to understand like psychedelic insight at those moments of peaking on a drug or maybe sometimes you're not even actually peaking on the drug, but you just believe that you mm -hmm. are. So you feel it that way, right? That's where like a placebo effect can kind of take effect. And when you're in those brief fleeting moments coming and going, you hear a voice in your head. And it's, I think that voice in your head, like when you're in a thought loop, when you're tripping on acid, I think part of the physical mechanism of that is your short-term memory is really fucked. So you just keep having the same thought over and over again, and it feels like it's just banging in your head like a fucking, like nukes going off one after the other. But it's really just thoughts that you're having in your head, right? You hear the voice in your head, 
but it's both, it's your voice and also not your voice. I think it's God speaking to you through the instrument of yourself and your own ego. And then you just have these insane insights when you're in the middle of it. Thought loops like, all right, I get, for instance, I wrote, I wrote this down. I was like remembering where I was, not where I was, but what I was thinking at like my peak thought loopy deathiness of my previous, when I treat this past, when I trip this past weekend. And the thought is like, just death isn't real, but it is. Nothing ever ends, but it does. You are a God and you're not. It's everything happening and not happening all at once. And you know it, but you don't know it. And that's the mystery. That's the point of everything. And you're falling into yourself and climbing out at the same time. You can do anything. You are everything and nothing. You're confused because God is confused. Because why wouldn't an all-knowing, never-ending being also experience confusion? You can't know everything without also knowing nothing. And it's looping forever and you're in it and you're out of it. And it's just like a couple of minutes of like... Thoughts like there's that. a whole bunch of things in there that are uh, there's a lot we can pull out of that too there's it's I'm, i have <laughs> ideas that have blown up man all right go ahead uh, so i mean just just first off i mean like you address girdle there too which is like the system that can't define itself uh uh right. so uh, omnipresence or omniscience if we as we understand it in the classical sense whether it's in within dualism or monism uh for so if take we have dualism we have the there's the physical realm and the spiritual realm and the spiritual realm is where uh where a metaphysical god exists and where it has total omniscience it can see all events and, and it it uh it observes all 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 things that happen and it knows all things that happen in time it's all knowing and then with monism which i think is what more what we're approaching here and that's more like pantheism or or a system where rather than uh, the metaphysical being separate from the material, they're kind of the same thing bound together. Uh, so that w if there is an omnipresent God, it doesn't have to be evenly distributed, I think is, is where I'm coming at. So uh, a, a God can be all-knowing and uh, all-present and omniscient and, uh, and be fragmented into many different subforms within that monist world. Um, so kind of think of it like a beehive. The beehive knows what it's doing. It's, it's moving towards building a structure and doing something, or even your own brain. Your brain... It's many gods and one god and no it's, god. Yeah, it's, it's subdivided. It's, it's, yeah. it's uh, fractal. So you have... It's like if you're thinking, is, is the bee separate from the colony or is your one brain cell a distinct thing separate from the brain as a whole? Uh, if you are but a subdivision of that consciousness, you're still, it's still you and you're still it. And it's inside, your insights are its insights. And it has all those insights. And it can experience them individually or collectively. Which is like individual consciousness or then like mm -hmm. phenomena like collective yeah. consciousness. Or here's or an even crazier even one. Like the network operates it's emergent and it arises without like you have to be contained in your your subdivided conscious experience your ego in order for you to be completing whatever it is that like the macro system needs that's how networks kind of function so you don't have to know what the other nodes are experiencing in order to experience something relevant to the collective conscious will of the whole network and if you can unplug, which I think you can't, I think that's that's like part of the psychedelic insight is that your ego can be obliterated and your awareness reset into a totally different ego or a totally different uh, form of experience. And that it's not 
necessarily anchored into this one body, this one consciousness, this one uh, real experience, so that the nodes are flexible and fluid. It's, they, they, the change kind of moves through the network constantly. God is the network. The network is God. You're God. You're the network. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right to me, mm -hmm. man. <laughs> well, that's just me throwing like darts at the board right now. Just kind of making sense out of it. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I just said some wild shit, yeah, right? With a little bit of girdle. I think that's that's kind of grounds it a little bit. It was like, and then that that asked, that reaches to another question is like, uh, does the God even know how to define itself or can it not? No. I, yeah. I said it. I was like, well, you're confused because God yeah. is confused. And that doesn't make sense to people. It's like, well, God knows everything. Well, then you could flip that around. Well, you can't know everything without also knowing yeah. nothing. That's like uh, with, with an, an incompleteness theorem like that, you have a, a situation where the uh, so we're taking this hypothetical God in a monist system where they they do know everything because its consciousness is distributed into all forms of conscious experience. So by the, the fact that you and I are fragmented pieces of this thing means that it knows everything, but it can't define itself from outside. It can't have the awareness of I am this this collective thing the same way that the, you know, uh, a, a system can't define itself. I like this idea of like, yeah, God is also confused. Mm -hmm. And then he's pro God's probably trying to end it also. And that's just what the experience of death is. It's just a perceived border to the end of a, a node of consciousness just so it could get a fucking break, mm -hmm. you know? And that's all death really is, I think, is a break. It's not even, there's no final solution here for, for, for God. There's no way out and there's no way in. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> does that make I sense? I think it does. Yeah. Let's see. I want to talk about like telepathy a little bit because I feel like I experienced it twice with Rob and with Ramona. And I'm freaking them out. This also happens with the girlfriend mm -hmm. when we trip and she, she's just like, yo, stop doing telepathy on me. Like, it's not happening. So when, when you're in it, when you're like tripping psychedelically and I just have thoughts mm -hmm. banging around in my head and I'm being very quiet, I'm not saying anything because I'm having insane thoughts and they're just like washing over me. And then my friend next to me maybe isn't having the same, is not tripping as intensely as I am mm -hmm. in that moment. And I've just been quiet for a couple of minutes and they start talking at me. And I'm hearing it, but I'm not hearing it because I'm in my own head thinking these thoughts. But then it sounds like as I'm thinking these wild, fucked up thoughts, I'm hearing them affirm and agree with mm. me while it's happening. And they don't even realize it's happening. And then when I kind of wake up and come to and I start trying to actively do telepathy with them, it goes away. It mm. doesn't work. Now, uh, how, how much of this is confirmed between you and the person you're sharing the experience with? I'm, I'm curious about it. I couldn't get them to agree with me mm. in those moments because then I turn my focus on them and I start thinking without even saying anything. I just start thinking thoughts of them like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Mm. Are you in my head? Are you in my head? And then they just kind of look at you like, what? Mm. And it just goes away. It, it really, I'm, I'm not, I am willing to admit that maybe this is just a wild psychedelic experience and I'm fucking my own head. And there actually is no telepathy going on. But in the moment, when you're having these wild insights, these thoughts, and then it just seems like your friend who's next to you is turning to you and going, yeah, word, I agree. It's, it's completely fucked up experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when you acknowledge it, it goes away. What I would like to do also is, is test um, certain scenarios. So I'm sure you're aware of uh, these, these anecdotes about 
groups of people doing ayahuasca and perceiving the same hallucination at the same time. They have collective hallucinations, yeah. shared psychosis, right? Where they see the same beings enter the space. So how the fuck can that not be real if, mm -hmm. that's re if it's happening with people, groups of people? I think the next thing to do is just do acid with like 20 fucking people. People used to do that. And they still do. They still yeah. do. I mean, there's, there's groups of people that do, um, like, do all these We got to do events. that. We got to go do that. I'm always doing this by myself or with one or two mm -hmm. people. Uh, about about testing these things. So if, if you can have, and yeah. th these there've been tons of experiments done uh, with um, with certain certain chemicals and, and certain arrangements. I mean, John C. Lilly did a lot of this stuff. Uh, are you familiar with Lilly? No. He was uh, so he did the isolation tank experiments, where in the okay, back in the sixties, yeah, right. uh, some of them with intel agencies, other others with. Um, with uh universities and they would they would put like people inside isolation tanks salt water uh give them a drug they did some of them with lsd others with uh disassociatives phenocyclidine ketamine other stuff um and you know testing for out-of-body experiences but also testing for shared experiences between the people in the tanks as well and they found and uh, let me guess they found interesting Interest, results always were not... interesting results yeah like you know maybe maybe they were able to see something in another room or um even if they had a couple people in a tank, if they could have them to experience a shared uh, dreamlike hallucination experience where they could talk about what the other person was telling them when they were in separate tanks. I, I believe it's mm -hmm. true. Because <laughs> I do, I believe we're God and God is one and many and we're all connected. So how could there not be moments of actual telepathy? Mm -hmm. how, could, how could it not be real? And this, I, I mean, I, I, I can hear the criticism. We're like, well, there's no proof for that. How can you say that? I mean, we know how these things, we know how brains work. We know how non-locality works. We know that, uh, you know, consciousness Which is local to the brain. No, you don't. And you don't know how any of that works. Exactly. What I would submit. Which but, is yeah. my, my uh, proposal to that, or, or my retort to that kind of argument is, uh, you're, bro, you're doing it again. You're mistaking the map for the territory. You're telling me about brains. Yeah. What, there's nothing you're telling me about brains right now that isn't something you're telling me about a series of symbols that describe and observe phenomena like we're going down to the most basic structures we possibly can here um and if, if we're to take the most basic structures possible it's a network then it, it allows for some strange behavior and communication across of it just kind of you realize i mean i've been realizing it's like oh i'm god and there's nothing i can do about mm -hmm. it or it's oh god loves me and you and himself and everything and there's nothing we can do about it that's why we keep reincarnating into these confused meat puppet forms, because being God is probably boring, right? That's what it goes back to what I said, like when I was peak tripping up there, and then I, it mm -hmm. just ultimate truth is revealing itself to me. And I know it for a fact. I was up there controlling the mm -hmm. weather very briefly with my friend. We were doing telepathy. And in my head, I'm like, I'm God. Oh, my God, I'm God. And then there's nothing to do but let it go. So that I think that's what birth and death is. So we just, we keep experiencing rebirth just as a way to get away from being a never-ending, all-knowing being for the mystery of it, for, for purpose, as a game, as just a way to experience everything over and over. This is the point of death. It's just a perceived end for God. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at right and now. And there's different takes you can have on that. Uh, I mean, the, uh, like theologians have had, or even philosophers take, with, trying to understand the nature of what God is. Um, maybe it's impossible to even understand that type of awareness or consciousness. So um, it could be that it, it fragments itself to avoid knowing everything. And that's one perspective. The other one is that it, perhaps it's not even 
self-aware. So if we go down something like, say, the, um, the Nog Committee codexes, codices, so the Gnostic texts, where the monad, which is a, it's a, like an explicitly um, monist representation of God, uh, isn't really even conscious. God in Gnostic theology is more of like a ether of everything. It's um, it, it or, and on top of that, like it's it's uh, wills or it's um, it's it's not even the right thing to say that it has desires because it doesn't. It's just this. They just call it the one. The all is the monad. It's like the collective of, the God, of, the of all consciousness, yeah. and it's kind of like unknowable. Um, whereas, like, and you, you, sure you know a little bit about like um, like the Gnostic understanding of Yahweh in the Old Testament is that that mm-hmm. God has desires, it has will, it has things it wants to do. So because of that, therefore, it could not possibly be the real God because the real God would have no desires. It would have no um, no needs or, or emotions. It would just be this omnipresent thing that is completely and utterly unknowable, the monad. It's the collective everything. Uh, so the way that they explain that away is is that um, they call uh, they call the the creator God in the Bible is like a lesser divine being that exists between material or materiality and ethereality that um, they call the demiurge or the rex mundi. Hmm. So there's it, this it goes down a whole question is like how do you know the motivations of God and many different theological traditions many different Religious traditions have had different ways of defining that so, uh, on a sliding scale between a totally unconscious, dumb God that that is not um, that doesn't exercise will through the universe all the way to uh, a form of God. That which is very the, which much is the will to yeah. die. We talked we talked about from Ligotti. That was like Schopenhauer's yeah. accolade, who was like, God is not conscious. It's just it's just the vehicle to keep it mm-hmm. all going. Oh yeah. So the it it lies on a spectrum between an unconscious god and then one that has desires and wills, and it tells you that you have to invade this one area and get to kill these one group of people. So it's like, and uh, it's it's weird how that works. Um, and then like you know talking about this on like a psychedelic mystic level, trying to infer what what the thoughts of a god might be, because we, you know we know correspondence, we know that. If we understand the macrocosmos, we can extrapolate something from the microcosmos. So if you have that insight, you have that realization, I am I am God or I'm a part of God or not even a part of. We're just going for the goal here. We're saying, like, I am God. Then you should mm-hmm. be able to have some insight into what the desires or motivations of that, that whatever that hypothetical concept even is. Where I am with that, as I've mm-hmm. already said it, I'll say it again. The motivation is just to experience mm-hmm. the mystery of itself via being born as a version mm. of itself that doesn't fucking know everything. Yeah. As in me, Bregs, or my cats running around the fucking house, or everything mm. around us. I think it's just a way for God to... What would be the point of living forever if you couldn't cry and laugh and be surprised and, and, and be devastated by something? Like all of the spectrum of human emotions that we experience... Mm. I really think that's the point. And death is is the vehicle for achieving that break of that break of all knowingness and then just allowing yourself to be reborn and do it all again. That makes sense. Now I, I have a question. So we were we were talking about eternal yeah. return 
uh, per uh, Nietzsche's thought uh, a few episodes. As back. I keep being reborn. As yeah, I am Where, how do you how do you feel right. about that thought experiment now after these these experiences you've had? I think part of that's real too. Yeah. I think it's all happening all at once. I think when I die, I'll be reborn as something somewhere else, some time else, maybe in another universe. And then when I that version of me dies. I'll go do it again, and I think on a long enough time scale, the time's not. Yeah, really it's all simultaneous. It's all it's one, one giant. Present. I think. I think. I think we'll be. I think we'll be here again, as we, the same exact life again. Mm. And then we might have the same exact life, but maybe one thing's yeah. different. And infinite variations across infinite possibilities. In, infinitely, yeah, and it's really hard to wrap your head around mm. that. Mm. So I think it's all true. I think. I think we are going to return, but I also think you know. You're going to be a fucking pterodactyl in the prehistoric era, and I'm going to be a trilobite, and we're just going to mm-hmm. do it all. Man. This kind of calls back to, you know, what we were talking about before about the, uh, the kind of, like, ever-present existence of all, all forms of information. So mm-hmm. uh, it, you, we can take an individual, like, the arrangement of information and data and events— Past, present, cause and effect. You're talking about like a Bach and yeah. Mozart writing a piece of music or an author exactly. making a book. And this idea that, well, it was already there. They just kind of arranged yeah. it. I, what I, I'm extending that notion to personhood. Yes. That you... Sure, why not? Because we're also just mm-hmm. information. Exactly. That it always existed, always will, and it, it kind of exists simultaneously with all other possible arrangements of cause and effect and data that make up a, an individual mm. or an arrangement of sounds or an arrangement of words you know, which is getting a little bit meta it's like where do you draw the but line dude, between we're, we're, we're data there, and, and, so and the self or data and personhood and is is there is there a difference like at what point does a process become um the self like is there a difference between written words on a piece of paper or the experience of words just arising in my consciousness. Mm-hmm. Something like something. Yeah, like I mean, yes and no, sort of. I mean, I guess like if it's mm-hmm. represented and it's it's represented in a in a particular set of symbols, those symbols have some qualitative difference from just verbal ones. But the the idea articulated, the connections between them still remain, um, and those those connections kind of exist I- I- independent of either system. I don't know, man. I just don't it's, know. It's... I like I like what you're putting down. <laughs> this kind of it's kind of loops back into like we're talking about time a little bit and death. And I've said it on the pod before, but we'll say it again. We could peel it back more. I've had this thought, like these questions about it's like the chicken and the egg. When did time start or mm-hmm. end? Right. I, I'm not sure that these concepts make any sense at all. But for me, as God, as I am right now. It's very obvious to me when time started. It's not even when you're born. It's when you become sentient and you start forming memories that you can remember. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like the, the day of your birth, but it's something like two years after is when time begins. And then death is the end of time. So as you're dying, and I know like when you die right away, they say that there's still brain activity for like some moments after. So, like, the true end of time won't come until you totally go mm-hmm. offline. And then it starts again when you wake up again, which happens instantaneously. This is, this is cool because, all right, um, there's a lot there. And even talk about brains. I, I would go in so far as to say we don't – that the, whatever's happening in the brain tells us nothing about when, when time starts or, uh, starts or stops within that framework because 
there's mm-hmm. there's two ways we can we can look at this question and say like when does time start and when does it stop and we have our model-based approach which that's the realm of brains and matter and big bangs and measurements and telescopes where we have language and we have shared uh collective narratives and, and shared um collective models and that and that's the place where you know you're born we grow up we're kids and we find out that the universe is x amount of you know billions of years old or in a in a previous century they would have told them that god created the universe at x or y moment and it, it's it's a place where there's collective narratives and then there's the the other way of looking at this which is different which is that um all those are collective symbols and they don't really tell us very much about reality because they're symbolic so the only thing that i'm certain of is that this particular universe that i'm experiencing through um my individual consciousness could have only come to rise as as a as a model system that i'm experiencing internally uh when i was born maybe but even that is like going back not even born again it's it's when you become when which which takes which takes yes some time. and and you're you're right and i i think that if for that to make sense we have to extract all symbols from it so it's when you become sentient but we don't even talk about brains we don't even talk about about um cognitive processes and the same thing with dying because it's only the point at which like you the furthest back that you can recall uh memory or symbols and then the last moments when you can recall or experience memories and symbols as a continued process but the the brain itself and what we know about it can't give you any more insight into that that um illuminated idea than um you know notions about time scales or the big bang can tell you about the full time span of the universe that we have to Mm -hmm. totally separate let if we're going to enter this like second way of looking at time that's solipsistic on some level we have to dispose of all symbols including the ones that relate to uh biological brain death or biological self-awareness in the in a growing toddler because it just is like i became aware whether or not that's attached to processes in the brain is irrelevant and then i die and whether or not that's attached to processes ongoing in the brain is also irrelevant because it's just the moment where experience giving rise to the perception of a world begins and where experience uh deconstructing the the perception of a world ends yeah baby yeah it's good Uh, it's funny because i i think about those that concept a lot and it's it can be hard well i've been been repeating it it's not new between me and you i maybe even said it on previous episodes but we could peel it back more i'm always saying this Mm -hmm. shit lately like this is very new with me i'm like when does time start? When, when you were born, born yeah. dummy. When does when does it end? When you yeah. die, dummy. Yeah. And it's hard for people to grasp it because they, they it was like, well, no, because yeah, maybe, but like you're but assuming. There's, but there's lot. dinosaur yeah. bones, and like our like our grandparents existed before we existed. Like, okay, I understand yeah. all that, but you're not you're not when that's where you go with your argument. That's very weak to you. Yeah. Well, there's the this is a I think a not weak an allegory we've we've gone to before, but I think it's a good way of like grounding this concept. Uh, so. When you bring okay. up this, these, these two ways of seeing the world to someone and they come at you with like, well, of course, there was time before you were born, your grandma, the dinosaurs, the, the, the Big Bang, whatever, right? History, we know the past. It's like, okay, yeah. I understand that. And, and that, is, that is a valid uh, question to have. But what you're doing for me right now is you've, you've brought to me a globe, uh, a, a, like, a, like a metal, plastic, wooden globe, and you're showing me 
um, that you know anything about uh, some continent you've never been to because there's a marking on the globe that tells you that that continent is there. Um, or there's dinosaur bones at the history yeah. museum and they, they, someone's telling you that they're this old and they lived this long ago. There is, um, it, it seems like it can seem a little bit like, uh, you know, we said, said this a million times. It seems a little pedantic and it can seem a little bit like kind of absurd, but like you have to go to that level of absurdity to really, really articulate and understand um, the difference between uh, territory and map. And that is, I mean, that's the fundamental mystic insight of every single religious and mystic tradition. Yeah, it has to sound like the raving of a madman. And for for the record, I believe that dinosaurs yes. existed. You know, I, I agree okay? that. And I, I believe <laughs> that they were there millions of years ago. But that's you. That was also mm. you. You were there. You just don't remember being a fucking Tyrannosaurus yeah. Rex. It was always happening. Right? Yes. And, and even I, I don't know I, I got to dig deep for some vocabulary <laughs> here to make myself understood here. Even within the, with the thought go, experiment go. too, it's yeah. like you know it, uh, that is it's such a hard concept for people to grasp. It's like yeah, there's there's geological time scale, all this stuff we call it consensus narrative, consensus experience, and then there's individual mm-hmm. experience, which is all you're ever going to know. That's all that that's the only way that you perceive the world and. For all intents and purposes, of course, it begins and ends with your your, your birth, <laughs> birth and, and your death. own death. And yeah, I guess you're like that. That's you're coming at me with this weird psychedelic bullshit that doesn't make any sense and has no application to the world. Maybe, or maybe you're overcomplicating it and you're projecting map data onto what's actually a much more simple way of looking <laughs> at what you're experiencing. And this is the thing. You can go your whole life without ever figuring that out and be fine. You can do your taxes. You can get through life. You can go through the world, go to your job, right? But I don't do think you will yeah. ever reach um, real mystic insight without grasping that concept. And you have to be able to believe both. You have to be able to, to be uh, grounded in, in, in the world as the consensus narrative shows you. You have to be able to understand uh, uh, relativity and science and, and cause and effect and it, geological timescale. But you also have to be able to entertain the idea that all of it is, ari- is, is arising inside of your own mind. And because of that, it, you have no real insight beyond the map that you're perceiving. So you have to be able to reducto ad absurdum all the way to the bottom if you're going to understand mysticism, because that's that's the duality of it. You have to be able to get that. And I think what's so cool about the psychedelic experience is that it's like a bullet right into your head and it gives you that in that insight immediately without having to. Um, well, I mean, not without. I think it happens also with, uh, you know, you talk, you talk yourself yeah. into it and it's like it's like God's it's your own voice in your own head but at the same time it's god coming down to you and just whispering secrets of the universe into your ear and it's washing over you and then you just let it go because it's too much you're like what the fuck oh yeah i mean that's what's so cool about it is that like so we we we're in default mode networks almost all the time outside of like dreaming or Trump. It's how we get through our fucking lives. Wake yeah. up, feed the cat, go to the gym, manage your job. We wouldn't be able cetera, to cetera, survive yeah. if we didn't have concrete associations like like system addressing in, in our brains or in our minds that, that relate certain concepts to other concepts. Uh, that's that's mm-hmm. even 
the realm of archetypes too. It's like, you know, certain symbols have concrete associations. But what's cool about psychedelics is that they remove the associations. It's kind of like you go into your hard drive and like just, just pull out all the addressing from all the data and then just throw it back in. And you're able to make connections between things that you don't ordinarily. So it's, it's, it resets and you can, you can see that the way that you rationalize your life from the consensus narrative embeds you in a certain way of seeing the world which is yes it gives you provides structure and it gives you guidance and it helps you survive but it also removes certain very important insights into the nature of the whole system that kind of break it down into like it shows you how tenuous reality actually is and that we don't really know which very is a scary which is a scary yeah. thought but it's also a beautiful and um freeing yeah thought. it's both of course because yeah. things like biological death things like beginning and end exist only as symbols within the consensus narrative the the map that we all share together to to see and understand reality if it's just you with your decoupled your decoupled definitions and decoupled references where you are shedding your ego and uh and and uh having these insights in your case you know during your experiences you experience something like godhead it is in that state where yeah beginning and end is meaningless because those are just symbols from the consensus narrative and it is freeing it's liberating because then yeah then you get to the basics it's like beginning it, it begins and ends with me and i don't have the answers because there are none and because even the language i'm using to describe this to myself is just symbolic and nothing matters, which is kind of sad, but nothing matters, which is kind of yeah. awesome. Yeah. I was thinking about like biblical creationists, like the people who are like, they say shit like God put dinosaur bones there to fuck with us and tempt our faith. Right? Yeah. Younger right? creationists really are, are, are really perplexing to me because, you know, we think of think these about people. What an, think about what a psychedelic, fucked up, interesting thought that mm -hmm. is. Imagine if God, imagine if that is what's going on. Like, evolution's not real. God created man. But God wants to, you know, fuck with us a little bit. It's like, come on, you got to believe in me, but I got I to gotta test your faith. What, what good is faith given over freely? We got we to gotta put it mm -hmm. to the test here. So I've deposited dinosaur bones all over the globe. And as a shared experience, you're all going to see it and talk mm. about it. That's completely fucked up. It's uh, <laughs> very, the, like, post-Calvinist, uh, like, Protestant... Baptist Christian experience is so kooky to me because it's awesome. it lacks <laughs> the um, like the mystic depth of some religious traditions in certain ways. Mm. Like to be able to to come to that conclusion, to to believe that uh, earnestly. earnestly that that yeah. uh, biblical creation and like God and all the things that you're interpreting in the real world are reflections or manifestations of that god's will like even the example you just used uh like god burying dinosaur bones around the world as a test you know they uh, uh young earth creationist baptists actually believe this and if you right. think about it it is it is both very um monist because in their worldview everything in physical reality is mystic is a reflection of god so it has some kind of right. like deep mystic depth to it, but at the same time, it also like overlooks. It's completely ass. Yeah, it's com and ri yeah, ridiculous. It's ridiculous, right? Uh, but I, but I, I get where they're <laughs> coming from on some level, 
But I also think that it's a mystic system that's lacking in some way because it's it's almost like how do you get to that point? Like what is it that got you there? You just, you just terribly want the, the Bible to be able – you want to be able to take it literally yeah. and not go further than that. You want to take it as absolute – They're mis- – yeah. They're, this is my, but yeah. the thing is like they're misreading the Bible. They're, 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 they're not grasping well, course, anyone, what it you actually can interpret is. It, you can interpret it any mm. way you want. They're they're reading it like it's a like it's a, a historic. You know what's strange about it, which is ironic. They're reading the Bible it's like manual. it's a scientific like it's an text. Instruction manual. They're reading yeah. They're reading the Bible like it's a scientific text. Like I, I would mm. go so far as to say that like young Earth creationists and young Earth like Baptists, they would not exist if not for materialist science. Like at, at, they would not exist if materialist not for materialist science. science. Yeah, at, like absent materialism stuff that they want absent, to reject. absent atheism mm. there there would be no christianity like that because that type of christianity like only exists as a reactionary movement against atheism it has no right it has no it is reactionary yeah, it, it's yeah. actually it's it's atheist christianity it's like christianity as if god were <laughs> this thing that exists physically in our world and manipulates our world physically through a science book that is the bible like it's almost like uh kind of you're you're fucking it's like a deconstruction right that's but do you up. understand yeah. are you are you getting it like i completely understand yeah. i follow it, it almost no, like yes. it, it demystifies and like like spits in the face of the idea of christ as like uh, an aeonic <laughs> mystic being because it's taking it's like they were they were feuding yeah, themselves well, with their own it's, arguments. It's, yeah, it's yeah. all. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like the legalese that you see like in in some Ju- uh, sects of Judaism, where like it's always mm-hmm. about like, well, how can I bend the rules against God from the Book of Numbers by coming up with increasingly more absurd ways to not keep the Sabbath holy? But like, dude, like once you start <laughs> reading the Bible or any biblical text as a legal document or as a scientific document, it ceases Ooh. to be a mystic text. And then it just becomes like a series of word games and it becomes a reactionary text that's a reaction against some type of materialism and not actually a transcendental piece of work. Uh, that's my problem with, with Baptists, with, with, with re- young Earth, Earth Baptists. They're not real Christians. They're just reacting to science. You, 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 got, you got to write a little yeah, something on I, that, I think, for yourself. Yeah, I do. Like, yeah. Jot, jot that's that a, down. Yeah. I, that's re- cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, because think about, like, what is okay. heaven in the Baptist cosmology, right? What is it, like, a physical place you go to? They've completely removed, like, the idea of an unseen or supernatural world from the cosmology of God. Because, what, God mm. is just, like, this thing that exists physically within the world. The Bible's a history book. Everything happens literally as it's described. Like, if you turn it into a literal interpretation and remove the allegorical parts of it, you remove the parts of it that are supernatural and mysterious. If it if I were to put my mind uh, or like or like put myself in the shoes of like what I think a real Christian would be, and that's not just following the rules of Christ, but like a real Christian in in, in like the mystic sense, like in in the uh, kind of like Saint John of the Cross kind of sense, uh, mm-hmm. I, I would find uh, rare earth creationism and modern American Baptist to be extremely offensive. To what I would believe the nature of Christ was, they're interpreting it what they needed to be for their reactionary arguments yeah, in that but, moment, while while also while also letting go of everything they've learned. Yes, from and it. crucially, it's like you know they they'll be like, 
they'll deny, uh, you know, like evolution or stuff from science, but they're using a materialist and scientific worldview and set of reasoning to establish their their cosmology. Their their it would not exist without science. Is is where I'm getting at. Like they give me like, oh well, you know, Darwin isn't true because all these things in the Bible are true because, but they're still using a scientific method to evaluate a text that cannot be evaluated scientifically. It's a very curiously modern, curiously Western, curiously American way of interpreting religion that it, 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 had there never been a movement towards materialism, there would be no rare earth creationists is where I'm getting at. Jot that yeah. down, baby. Write mm -hmm. the little sub stack. I love it. Okay. Let's switch mm -hmm. gears. Though. Oh yeah. <laughs> I had, I had another fucked mm -hmm. up thought. All right. So the idea of aliens being real is a very trippy mm -hmm. idea, right? That we like, and by the way, I, I, that is, I believe that they are mm -hmm. real at, in the past, in the present, in the future, on the far side of the universe, real in a sense, I'm not even talking about like single cell microorganism. I'm talking about complex mm -hmm. life, right? Aliens that could think and talk and have language like us and fly planes and maybe even travel further into space than we could ever dream, but not forever, mm -hmm. right? You know, what's a more fucked up thought than aliens existing them not existing at all and we really are alone on this rock Whew, floating through yeah, space yeah dude um that's a that's a way trippier thought than aliens i existing. have what do you think do you know that? about the drake equation yes okay. i do but then the, the, then it comes where are they yeah. why haven't we encountered them yet where the is drake it? equation right? or fermi fermi's paradox it's yeah. it's so i think this is this is like a really profound um place to kind of lead and i think this ties very deeply in with with the notion of of extinction and whether or not this is something that happens all that is an ongoing process or something that we can sort of drop you know at a, at a given point in time and, and you know we can come at this from so many different perspectives like what is time mm -hmm. and all right but the drake equation is really kooky because uh you you can have uh several different scientists read it and put similar data into it and get vastly different results. And the Drake equation really tells us nothing, but it tells us everything. I think it's, I think it sucks, but it's also yeah. great. Like, yeah. You, know, you need a certain <laughs> type of uh, solar system to support life. You need certain types of minerals and, and natural resources. It's gotta be in the good. It's gotta be in the Goldilocks yeah. zone, like not too far, not too close. And this, it has to be a right? certain type of yeah. star. It has to be in a certain part of a, of a galaxy too, because galaxies are huge and there's all, there's many stars swirling around it. And if you're too close to the center, the, the, the sun or the star moves too quickly and it can't, it can't be as stable. Because there's a giant black hole in the middle, presumably, if we're to believe that any of this is real. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're supposedly in the Goldilocks zone on every single level where it's not just the right star. It's the right star. It's the right planet. It's the right um, temperatures. It's the right atmosphere. It's the right time period. Otherwise, it's, we wouldn't you know, be. Or else right? we just yeah. wouldn't be. And if we take all of that into consideration, while also taking into consideration the fact that life seems or at least appears to be an inevitability, that these structures arise um emergently they kind of just happen uh and that it's it seems like mm -hmm. this arrangement can occur it, it, it should occur very easily it's spontaneous life is spontaneous yeah. it just occurs when the conditions yeah. are right it just emerges then you right? can feed all okay. this information right. into the drake equation and you could get results that tell you that there's infinite you know billions of civilizations across the universe or uh, conversely you could feed data into it in good faith both times and get 
uh, it's actually like zero, and this almost never fucking happens. <laughs> that it's it's a miracle it happened at all, is is one interpretation. Uh, I choose to not believe either one and to believe both of them at the same time. I think it's impossible to know. Um, no, yeah. we're never going to know, but I, I just never looked at it like that because my whole life I've been like, wait, space is too big. and There's more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on Earth. Let's get fucking mm -hmm. real here. Aliens are real. So the trippier thought is, no, we're alone on this yeah. rock. That's it, right? And there's so <laughs> many, and like even on top of that, it's like, just the fact that it's so vast out there and if you start moving further away so you know you're accelerating away from the planet then time changes for you relative to the planet that you just left so you age a day and everyone back home ages 200 years so just factoring mm -hmm. that into uh into the nature of space travel a spacefaring civilization of creatures how do you work that into being a cohesive civilization? How do you launch space mis space missions, knowing that by the time that they get back, you know the civilization might be gone, the whole planet could be dead. Each mission is its own. Each, exactly, each one is its own contained thing. Um, and then, how does that work? Like the only way it could work on, on like we're thinking about like physical machines moving through space would be maybe it's not individuals but rather it's machines or some type of entity some type of consciousness that can extend itself infinitely or um you know i, I would imagine that if we did find proof of a physical civilization of aliens by pointing telescopes at space we'd be more likely to find their robots and their ais than we were to find them i think they would have probably died out by now because biological life i mean how can it really uh, travel like that unless maybe and here's another one stay with me here <laughs> yeah i'm with what you. if uh what if the, the the solution to a question like space travel or um or um you know reaching like a tier three civilization being able to harness the power of a sun is not through uh technology but more through spirituality and more about looking inward Ooh. more about changing reality with the mind more than with metal or I can die here as Brett, and then when I wake up instantaneously, I'm really waking up 500 billion years in the past on the other side of the mm -hmm. universe in a different civilization. And I can go you one further. Going back to your definition of magic we talked about the other day, what if there is no difference between spacecrafts and inner experience, and they're actually all the same? There's no difference between spacecrafts? Well, what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that there's no difference between the technological process that... Uh, that is done externally and the inner experience process that's done for uh, discovering mystic insight. Oh, so like I could travel to the far side of the universe through technology or, or through, through death, death and, it does, and there is no difference. Both of them are equally meaningful and overlap on the same definitions. I like that. It's just like when we were talking about, like, <laughs> I want to, I feel cold, so I want to make a sigil to be warm. Now, that could happen by, uh, all right, so the temperature in the room changed because I altered my experience of the temperature in the room. Or it could happen that I planted a subconscious idea in my mind and then got up and knit a sweater. And each, either one, what if they're exactly the same? It's the same thing. So... Uh, you know, you can build your your spacefaring AI, and it I spreads out. Saying. Yeah, you see, wow. what I'm 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 uh, I'm calling back to monism. I'm saying that uh, 
it, 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 there is no difference between the, the, the physical manifestation of reality and uh, the supernatural one that people separate mm -hmm. in dualism. That they can be just operating We're both doing space. the same things, which is different. It's just different means to the yeah. same end. I'm, I'm making, I'm, I'm doing a, a thought experiment on monism, is what I'm saying. but I think, I, I think it's, it's coming It's completely yeah. fucked up. Oh yeah. my goodness. Because <laughs> everything is everything. All right, I got, I got more. We well, can let's, keep going. Yeah, let's, let's finish the whole entire uh, script that you got down. Because I, I think, let's, let's tidy this up. Okay. We can do it in like 20 minutes. All right. How's about this, baby? There were moments I was hanging out with Ramona, tripping my fucking face off. We're hanging out. I have a skull collection, mm. right? I have two human skulls cool. i have a hyena i have giraffes i have uh cats and dogs i have a baboon mm -hmm. right there were moments where i was tripping where i believed i was a necromancer and i could raise the mm -hmm. dead and i still kind of believe it now and i want to make sense of this mm -hmm. belief and this claim so maybe we could talk that through i have some ideas on that mm -hmm. end. so i think i'm god if god is all things past present future different timelines different universes realities it's everything and nothing happening all at once then it's true that I am a necromancer and that I could literally raise the dead. If even just thinking a thought makes it real, like if you think of think a thought in your head, does it's real? Because mm. it's happening on this physical plane, even if it's not happening physically, it's happening in your mental yeah. realm, which is head, the only realm right? that you, you are able to experience. Which is the only realm that you I experience experienced. and inhabit. Which yeah. I mean, this loops back into you know we were talking about uh, uh, you know the schizophrenic that's screaming in the street, what he's experiencing is is real it's to real. him it's real. um yes. and it, you're I, I like this idea of like the the this is like a philosophical or an allegorical necromancer which you become when you're dreaming when you enter a dream state and you can you can generate you can talk to dead people, people that are dead or you can generate people that have yeah. never existed and you can or you could generate an experience where you're at your bone altar over a grave and you're doing magical incantations and you're raising a corpse yes yeah. And it's and in that space, it follows an internal logic where it seems just as real and just as plausible as whatever is happening here, which could be completely ridiculous and fantastic, but we're not aware of it because we're in the consensus uh, internal logic of the any experience we're experiencing at a given moment. So when you so a statement like "I'm a necromancer," right, has just as much meaning. In, in, a, in a dream state as it does in a waking state, but I, you, can, you can do a reducto ad absurdum on that as well, where, of course I yeah. am, because when I'm dreaming, I can generate- Because I'm God yeah. and I'm all things, and maybe I can't physically raise a corpse right here, right now mm. in front of you, but maybe I just don't believe in it enough, but maybe the point of what I'm saying is there's an alternate reality where magic like that is literally real, death never comes because we're always just raising ourselves from it in a very literal sense. Like I'm, t I'm telling you, you could wave your hands over a corpse and it walks mm. back up out of its grave. I think it's real. It's cool. <laughs> I, li I like it as a, as like a, a, a question of language also. Uh, like what does that even mean? You know, to, and, and, and <sighs> I like that you brought up Neuromancer too, because it kind of, it connects very, very closely. Um, you know, like, what what is a neuromancer and you have this like being able to to have like cognitive opsec and and um give rise to not just information that exists on paper that's like you know black letter symbols but also replicatable symbols that have their own nature so 
if you can create a consciousness in a dream, um, how is that any different from creating a unit of mimetic information that exists within your waking life that has a life of its own and then burrows and like just plows through the world as a living thing? So something like th there's there's ways you can break down that sentence into into so many like higher and also lower levels of meaning as well. Or you could even say it like this, right? We've been dead for most of our perceived reality mm -hmm. here via the Big Bang, whatever, 14 mm -hmm. billion years, right? We've been dead for all of it, most of it. And then we mm -hmm. weren't. We, we raised ourselves from the mm -hmm. dead. We, we, we woke up never having gone to sleep. Yeah. We, we, were, we were in a state of non-existence, which maybe isn't accurately true because if we're all things, you're just not recalling it. Like the, the atoms that make up my hands maybe made up a neutron star on the other side of the universe, you know, 10 billion mm -hmm. years ago. Like, we, we get that, right? So maybe I'm a necromancer in the sense that I, I raised myself from the dead that's a i like that idea that what if you did it yourself and it was because what if i did it myself? i mean that would have yeah. to be the case right because and i just don't remember it would have to be the case because uh you you do nothing that you experience happens without you acting upon it and we were talking about this in kind of like a a, a colloquial way earlier how like you know, you're sitting in your chair, but your chair is also reacting by pushing up against you with the same force. But you, right. you, uh, the world that you exist in and you walk around in that you interpret in your mind, this symbols and, and, uh, and maps and whatnot, uh, it exists because you are acting upon it, you're observing it, you're interacting with it. Without your act of observation, it doesn't exist. So by you know just looping back again we're thought experimenting our back or way back through i'm a, I, now you know what like i i i get it i'm a necromancer uh <laughs> you give rise i think i'm gonna start introducing myself as a i necromancer. like it because yeah. you give rise to yourself and to the environment that you're interpreting or that you're you're and i was supposedly let's not even call it death let's just call it pre-life yeah which is like it's got to be the same thing. We we were we and we're still already. operating we, within time there. Like so, when we yeah. say something like pre-life, we're assuming that you know uh, that there there's a window where you're born and you die, and everything before that is just all the other. We're still thinking about like, uh, well, my grandma was here. You know, uh, we're we're still looking right. at a timeline and inserting ourselves into it. I'm saying there is no <laughs> pre-life. I'm saying that you always were, much in the same way that uh, you know Simone Way talks about. Uh, the information in a book always having been written that it doesn't matter because it was always going to be formed even when it didn't have form so by and, and since interpretation since since uh inner experience requires consciousness and requires action and that's like that's well, you know just calling back to to bataille again you have to act upon it for for uh, reality to exist and for your experience to exist so you're a necromancer because you gave rise to I'm, yourself I'm out of nothing oh it's dude i feel chills when i say yeah. it how about how about the, i can raise the well dead. you did it to your, you i raise it i'm a necromancer. the way that you yes. you think about that uh your galaxy brain take on that is well i rose myself from the dead <laughs> so therefore i can call myself this
I love it. I fucking love it's it. It's funny because, like, it's it's cool because, like, you drop that line. It's like, oh, I, I was on drugs and I imagined I was a necromancer. And, like, people are going to be like, you're a fucking idiot. Dude, it just came you're, to Yeah, me. I know. It's just fucking, I you're know. Like, it's just, you're, you're stupid and you're on drugs. I didn't, it's like, author, wait a minute. The I didn't author the thought. It just <laughs> happened. Like, wait a minute. There actually is a solid, uh, uh, like, metaphysical I think about my whole life. I'm, I'm obsessed with exactly. death. I'm obsessed with that. I have a death podcast with my friend. I'm always talking about this shit. I have a skull collection. Yeah. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool Dude, because you like wanna, you want to have a completely fucked up psychedelic tri- like psychedelic uh-huh. experience. Be tripping your face off and just hold a human skull in your hands and just looking uh-huh. like eye to eye. Just hold it for minutes mm-hmm. at a time, a half hour. It's a completely fucked up experience. Yeah, oh, I mean it's it's uh, just that structure being something that. You intimately know yourself, but that exists outside of you and kind of is scattered among all these other people that supposedly are real. It's got to be very sobering <laughs> and kind of, kind of ineffable in its own way. Oh, ineffability is definitely the yeah. word, friend. Uh, these things are very hard to put into words, but we're, we're making, we're giving it the old college try right mm-hmm. now. And I had, I had that thought, right? After like thinking that thought, I started saying it out loud to like my friend Ramona. I was like, I'm a necromancer. I could raise the dead. And it felt true and right. And I was just tripping myself mm-hmm. out like a motherfucker. And I'm sober now. And I believe it. And we just, we just, I really like the arguments that mm-hmm. we came up for the defense of when I start walking around telling people yeah. I'm a necromancer. That, that, I, I think we could come up with more and I think Hell we yeah. can refine it. But that, that is a strong beginning to a, a, a really, <laughs> awesome. I mean, argument. dude, you could write a book about this if you wanted to, and you could cite like a, a twenty different philosophers explaining why that sentence has validity. I should. I should write a small book and where I earnestly make the argument that I Gruber, Gruber, and yeah, Necro. And Necron. you can. And of course, I think it would follow. I would have to admit that everyone else reading it is also a Necro. Yeah, and, and I think like you know, you you have to you could establish some type of metaphysics about the nature of of both object and subject and then dude i mean like we just kind of sketched out this the the skeletal structure of that right here which is really funny i think i need to i gotta find some space in my home i need a bone hole i, I need like a necromancer room I, I think i'm gonna fucking start to literally try and do it How, how's that is that completely bro i've up? thought about a million times having like a space that's all on, that's only for occult work and like Yes, I, th- I'm, I think I'm ready. Mm-hmm. One, one forever. Um, I'm going to start earnestly for years. Yeah. You know what's only really, you know what's probably in the way of me literally being able to do that? My my own level of belief in my powers. Today. Yeah, I mean, if you and it probably ta- it probably takes a lot of work to get there. I'm not going to say I'm not saying like I could do it tomorrow. Yeah. But maybe if I start earnestly practicing necromancy, maybe in ten years I can raise something mm-hmm. from the dead. I always uh, fuck it, man. Let's let's go down this hole. Let's fucking do it. it. Fuck it. You know, like uh, that's that's like the playful <laughs> thing about chaos magic that I really like is that you know um, all systems are true and not true at the same time because I mean they reduct ad absurdum the way that we're doing right now. It's like something's experiencing something. Um, you know, everything is maps and models, and you know reality is unknowable. So uh, I can really just make it whatever I want it to be, and if that suits my purposes and changes my reality then that's fine it works it's it's about what works versus what doesn't work so yeah make a room uh, uh figure out john d's enokian tablets and <laughs> go crazy because well, let's get spooky it might work it. man yeah. i mean and if it and if it works and if it works for you 
how could you ever like the thing is is like it's like performing empirical scientific tests on something that can only be interpreted as inner experience it can't be tested by someone else because that other person isn't experiencing your subjective inner experience it's impossible <laughs> but that's like the wacky thing about it is that it's, it's you can't test it the same way you test other things but i think it's insightful and important people should play around with it all right what do you think i have a bit more here but we could probably yeah i think like just we gotta like bring it all back um I, I love getting phone calls from you when you're either post or during a psychedelic just... experience because I think that because I've been in them myself and I've been there. You're not having enough, though. Like I, I'm yeah. like ramping up over here. I'm doing it all the time now. I, right? I've had them and they, they blast my face off. And like, you know, my last one was the ketamine thing on uh, on Christmas time. And obviously that. Listen, let's admit that was difficult. Yeah. That was a difficult experience. But it was. Yeah. But I, I didn't carry out of it any negative sensation I, I i found it extremely extremely insightful and when you're in those states it's hard to articulate what's happening because good good and bad there, there the are yeah those like, are oh, did, you, did you have a good trip or a bad trip these words they are don't mean anything in the same way you strip away meaning of the self or the ego is the same way you strip away meaning of a language or symbols that have definite references that you can kind of form into something you can explain so um but I always remember, uh, you know, days later and I come back with all these insights and it's like, oh, well, there's this like structure within that experience that now I can apply to the, the representational systems I know, the language that I understand. And I actually now know a lot more about everything because of it, because you, you're not able to tap into that outside of a dream state or a meditative state or a psychedelic state. When I talk to you and you say sometimes like, you know, you, you'll, you'll drop a line like that one about necromancy or something like I'm, I, I, I believe I'm God. And I, I hear that um, it sounds druggy and crazy, right? And I think listeners are thinking like, oh, this sounds like druggy, crazy shit. He's obviously on drugs. It's like uh, there's, th there is a, a meaning to these insights that are attached to uh, a, a whole entire legacy of thought and philosophy that's been going back hundreds of years. People have been trying to interpret these same experiences for a very long time. And I think that um, when you encounter that in your life and, and you hit that, that realization, something like I'm a necromancer, that sentence carries a lot of weight with it. And it doesn't literally <laughs> just mean what it seems to mean on its face. And that's what's cool about about these experiences is is that they're wrapped in allegory the same way religious experiences are. Psychedelic insight is mm -hmm. so real, and I can't recommend enough to people. If you feel you can deal with it, I mean, let's be real. If you've never done this before, the first couple times you do it, it's different every time, and it's scary. And maybe it was bad, but it can be yeah. good. And you can you have to have the right mind had, frame going into yeah. it and you know i would even loop this back to you got to be okay with death yeah. I, here's what, like for me with doing drugs and having a psychedelic experience you have to be okay with dying and if you're okay with dying you could come through the other end of this experience with so much more than just the thought of oh my god i'm on a drug i'm dying i'm scared you can come away with so much more if you could just break through yeah. that that that's my experience yeah that. and uh yeah. going to that sentence that you just said oh my god i'm dying i'm on a drug i'm scared so i'm gonna loop this back to my criticism of baptists um okay. so there is there is uh, at least in my understanding of what i i knew christianity to be and how i think it should be interpreted is that it's this transcendental um series of of, of mystic texts that have metaphoric allegorical mythic 
uh, meaning. And uh, the misinterpretation of Christianity is to see it as a, a historic description of events that happened and, and confining it to the material world. The psychedelic experience can be similarly misread. When, when, uh, when you say to someone what your experiences were um, and they read it as just druggy bullshit and like, oh, they were on drugs, their brain was fucked up. Or when someone is on the drug and they don't know how to understand it and they feel like they're sick or they're dying or this is all in my head, this is a hallucination, they're making this... God, just see me through this and I'll yeah. never do it again, please. They're Tell making you. the mm -hmm. same mistake that the Baptists do with transcendental Christianity. They are mm. taking something that is that is um, allegorical and mythic and boxing it into the confines of the material. They are, mm. uh, I don't want to say heresy or whatever, but they're, <laughs> they're, they're heretics. heretics to the goddamn <laughs> substance, man. It's supposed to be transcendental. To the thing that they're, cl the that yeah. they're claiming they subscribe they're, to. Um, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be allegorical. If you're reading the Bible <laughs> as a scientific book, you're not reading it correctly. If you're reading the psychedelic experience as just just stupid things that happen in your vision because your brain is broken from a chemical, you're doing it wrong. You're not reading it correctly. Ancients use these things for reasons, and, and the experiences derived from them have been documented over centuries to have allegorical, mythological meaning. They're supposed to be read. How about this is a bit my galaxy brain take right now is that the psychedelic God. experience is intended to be read and understood the same way that a holy book is. Ooh. It's in your mind's eye, and you're, you're seeing something that's not there because it is there, because everything is yeah. everything. I, 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 and it's, it's just all jumbled up in that moment. Yes, I agree. Um, and you, you can't, just like, uh, you know, going back to Girdle, you know, the system can't define itself. You have no other way of knowing when you're going through the experience that there is some external experience that's different so you're better off just embracing it and reading it for what it is read it as an allegorical experience read it as something that's dreamlike and that is 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 telling you something don't uh go through it and try to uh, uh, uh box it into categories and to make it logical in a way that will ultimately devalue the experience I think for me, I, I'm only one person and I, everyone experiences different things. And I've done acid over a hundred times and I can tell you sometimes it's just kind of groovy and you just laugh and other times you're like, oh, I'm God. And it's just like waves of emotion. Mm. It's crazy. It's not the same every time. I'm it's also not convinced that all the acid out there is actual acid. I think there's a lot of research. I know because we have no way yeah. of verifying this shit, right? I'm not testing it. Like that's absolutely yeah. true. And also... Maybe there's actually ten hits of acid on this tag, yeah, not one. No I can't really, I can't no. I can't really see that, right? So it's kind of like a, a game of Russian roulette every time. That being said, I've done a lot of drugs and I've mixed a lot of drugs and I've been doing them for a long time. There are moments where they all feel like it's the same mm. thing. I'm talking cocaine, ketamine, acid, alcohol, weed, where you're just on it and it just fe it feels like if you just kept doing it, like I could eat a hit of acid and instead it feels like a hit of ecstasy. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of, it's all melding into this one experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that, yeah. that I think testifies to the malleability of, of the brain, both as a symbolic object. And, yeah. You know, yeah. there's the brain, right? It can give a rise to all these different experiences. We know it, brains are a symbol. But like the mind also can give rise to and all the different breaths of experiences that we've that we've had so 
what's to say that you can't have the exact same experience on um on uh, ketamine that you would on some other drug if your 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 mind can generate it and it, you can you can uh, mm. produce the chemical changes tangibly or or the uh whatever the the uh, data allegorical changes within your experience to have that that's why like i've always said you know i i do believe that you can replicate any experience had on any psychedelic drug through meditation. If you yes, do it enough, or just locking yourself, yeah. locking yourself. If in you a cave do it enough, or, I mean, the the or or the shaman yeah. dancing with an animal mask, dancing and chanting for three days straight, like you people can get have there. reached uh, uh, mm. trance states and out of body states, or, uh, you know, mystic states throughout recorded human history. Uh, without the use of, of drugs, with the use of drugs, both at the same time, it doesn't matter. It's because it's it has. I don't think it's necessarily about the substance itself, and it's more about the 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 state that arises from from where you're experiencing it in that moment. That's, drugs are a hack. Yeah, I that's think. It, it yeah. just a So I want to trip the way I trip mm -hmm. on acid, but I don't want to dance and chant for three days. Yeah, straight. I mean, it's it's also very uniquely modern. <laughs> uh, you know, we live in a time where dude, the fact the fact that these drugs mm -hmm. exist at all is a fucking mind blow. Like this shit is a message from God. You tell this dude, Albert Hoffman made it accidentally. Well, he didn't actually make it. He just discovered it. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, there, now we're right? going back to like, you know, I, nothing is invented. It's all discovered. It's all it's, or not even it's discovered. That's just, even the wrong word. It just arises. It's emergent. You know, Hoffman. Yeah. It, it made it made itself more obvious through the instrument yeah. of of uh, Albert mm. Hoffman. Mm. So I think that was cool. Uh, really great. All right. Cl closing yeah. thought. I want to close it down yeah. here. The universe didn't give birth to us. We gave birth to it. It's expanding because we are expanding. We're growing in our minds. We're maturing. We're becoming more chaotic and also more calm at the same time. It's another paradox. We're all evolving closer to God, to the Godhead, to the monad, as you like to say. That's why the news always seems crazier. Ideas and experiences and getting older only keep getting trippier. It's because we are accelerating to the infinite point of God, and we always have been, and we've done it before, and we'll do it again. You know what that all red How's light that? sounded like to me? That just sounded like, I'm a necromancer. I'm a necromancer. That whole paragraph. All right, baby. I can raise the dead. Let's hang All out. All right. <laughs> Later. Later.